This is an after-school program podcast. Welcome to the Home Studio Hangout Podcast, where we explore what it's like building, running, and working out of a home studio with your hosts, Joshua Matatuck, Andrew Simmons, and many guests in different areas of the music industry. Welcome back. It's another podcast episode with me, Josh, and my friend, Andrew. Look at that. We didn't even have to rehearse that. I know, man. Today continues the My First series, and we're going to be going over the My First session. So this is the time where you've set your stuff up at your house. You've probably been recording, you know, yourself or some friends or whatever but now it's time to now it's time to get paid now it's time to try and book a session from somebody in your community it may be a friend but you're it's time to charge for it it's time to do a song from front either from beginning to end or you know whatever you're deciding that you're going to do right so we're going to get into it today Josh my first session we're going to start with how do we book a session? How in the world do we book a session, Josh? I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> so, like, nobody is going to hire you if they don't know what you do. Mm-hmm. So, like, the first step is to make friends, talk to artists, talk to bands, let them know what you do. And eventually, you're going to find somebody who's like, man, I really need my stuff recorded. And then you say, great, well, let me help you out with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're more than likely to use a friend than a random stranger. Or even, honestly, you're even more likely to use a friend of a friend. And that is where the sweet spot is, honestly, is, you know, you start getting into the your, either your local scene or your area or even just your online kind of facebook groups or instagram groups or whatever like you know getting in with different uh subgenres of you know talking with people and you start hitting up people and having good conversations and you're on their mind whenever their friend comes and says hey man i think we're gonna do a record or um their friend is like uh, I'm starting a new band or even maybe then they are like, uh, I think I'm going to start a band or I'm doing, I want to make some new music. You're going to be, you know, first on their mind because you've been their friend. You've been talking to them. You've been, you know, providing, you know, a genuine friendship. That's the other thing. Like you can't go into this, not providing a genuine, like interaction and genuine friendship. It's because then it's just very sleazy. For sure. I mean, I think it's really important to just like focus on like finding people that you vibe with and finding people that you know that you can help. Most definitely. Um, So let's say for the scenario, you've been doing all this, you got a friend and then a friend of a friend of theirs is like, hey, I'm looking to do somebody. Do, I've been, hey, I'm looking to do a record and I need somebody to help me do the record. And 
your friend says, hey, I know you, and I'm going to suggest that they come to you and they say yes, and they talk with you, say, hey, my friend suggested that you help me with this record. All right, dope. Got somebody in, they agree to your price, whatever that may be, depending on what you're doing. Awesome. So we're going to kind of go with this two ways. We're going to talk like we did with the uh, my first studio series. We're going to talk to the people that are doing 100% in the box or at their own home. And then we're going to also talk to the people that are doing the more mothership style where it's you're going to the studio for certain things like maybe vocals or drums or something um, or hiring a few things out. All right. So first, uh, pre-production. I think, honestly, I think pre-production is crazy important. Uh, and we, I, I have songwriting in, kind of lumped into here as well because uh, I know, Josh, you kind of fall in with a lot of people when they're in this area right yeah for sure this, this is more where you live it's also a really cool place to learn like i think if you're starting out like if you just start being like hey like let me record your demos like you learn a lot because like you kind of get into that creative mindset with other people really quickly and then you uh you know get to give your best crack at it and if you mm-hmm. fail at least it's just a demo and um True. you know i i think that uh there's definitely a lot of value to that, like as a new producer or whatever you call yourself, because, you know, you're meeting these new people who are either still writing songs or just wrote them and they're still working things out. And then you basically get to sit down and like, you know, kind of help them organize their thoughts. And it's a great way to like really understand like the anatomy of a song. For sure. And it, and it helps you, honestly, it helps you at least I found it helps you deepen the relationship between you and the artist, whether it's just an individual or the band. Like, honestly, the the majority of the time that you see bands like hanging out and having fun and trying stuff is in this stage. That's how Sam and I became friends. Really? Yeah. So I, I knew I knew his drummer, Jay, way before I knew Sam. And uh, Jay like hit me up and he was like, hey, you know, uh, or would you be able to help me with my band's demos? And I was like, sure. So I just like did some demos for him, hung out, and signed now, with him. Now, now we're like you, best friends. And you've written many a heater together. Yeah, many a heater. <laughs> so like, yeah, I think that it's really great because it's not there isn't a ton of pressure to it, and you get to really understand like how songs work, how people think, what worries artists, what doesn't mm-hmm. worry artists. And then, like, you also get to kind of start putting things together, like, okay, well, he's playing that in the room, and I hear it like this in the box. And so, you know, starting to make those creative connections, like, as For a producer. Sure. Yeah, and like you said, if you're, even if you're not, even if you're only doing this part, right, you're only helping with the songwriting in the pre-production, this is a really good place for the really new people to start. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just getting the client to come in and help them track ideas and get a bunch of stuff down and you say, yeah, I'll help you per song, um, you know, get these demos out. So you have something so that whenever you do decide to go to whoever, um, for final tracking and everything, they are, have at least a good working project 
to start from. It's a much clearer idea. You're doing a really big service and actually helping the band or the artist convey their ideas to the engineer that they're going to go to later if it's not you, right? Like, that's a huge deal, at least in my book. Like, from a guy that's had people come with demos, like, if the demos are really good, it helps me it makes my job so much easier because then I can immediately say, we need to change this. We need to change this. I know exactly what they're going for. Um, or sometimes these pre-production tracks are really, really good. I don't want to change a bunch of this. I just want to make the, I just want to, you know, add more to make it better, you know? Yeah. I mean, must be nice. I either get people who don't have demos or they are like, I'm being hired to add things in that should have been in the demo. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that's, hey. that's where I'm at. Hey, man. But I mean, that, that I mean, that's like really the two of us, right? Like, th- those are all of the different possibilities of artists that you could get. Um, so I think, right, there's a good place to start. Once you've kind of graduated from that, let's move into, okay, you're getting the whole project with this band, right? Uh, Or you're just getting the tracking of the band. So tracking's very interesting because it can be, we talked a little bit about this in the the My First Studio uh, episode, but the My First Session episode tracking, we're going to go a little more in depth on the two models that I talked about. Okay, so let's start with the more in-the-box tracking. Really, it's all about getting, for guitars and bass, if you're really if you're tracking those for real, getting really clean DIs, um, really good takes of everything as far as your acoustics, making sure you know, you're eliminating string noise, you're eliminating stuff like that, and... I would almost argue that making your vocalist comfortable is a little more important than making the room that they're in sound perfect. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Cause I, I, I've, I've worked with great sounding vocals that sound that like they, they have, they were recorded very well, but the, the takes just lacked, I don't know that like conviction in the in the in the performance you know what i mean yeah they sound like a bad actor yeah yeah that's a good that's a good way to think about it yeah they're they're playing the part too hard or whatever um i would rather somebody stand in a room behind a producer with an sm7b holding it and give me a really good take than use a 421 in a room that's really well treated for vocals and give me a okay take a 421 I'm, i mean not a 421 you know what i mean <laughs> my voice box is a tom <laughs> my voice box is a tom they start to sing and it's just doom 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 oh that's what dude no that's that's how it should be <laughs> uh anyway you know what i mean um but yeah, I would rather I would rather you know them use a thousand dollar mic in a I would rather them not use a thousand dollar mic in a well treated room and the vocals be the vo- the takes be boring than you know people give me something to work with as far as like the emotion behind it or hear me out a three thousand dollar mic while they're sitting on the couch 
Hey, dude. Yeah, the Billie Eilish. No, that's that's the move, dude. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's silly to like put people in a booth. No, we uh, what was it? I think. Oh no, we haven't released this episode yet. But me and Shane talked about the Billie Eilish thing, where she did a a TLM one hundred three sitting on her bed. Hmm. Like that's her entire record is yeah all just of, a TLM one hundred three on her, her bed. Last, yeah, all of her last record was that, and then her new one, like it's the same thing except now they're using a Chandler red mic. Yeah, exactly. And, but she's st- I think she's still holding it, and I think she's still sitting on a couch or a bed or something. And yeah. Wouldn't surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like, okay, cool. Like, do you. It works for them. Um, yeah, I think tracking is all about you want – everything should make you feel something, right? I think just getting the takes for getting – because you're getting the takes is, like, not a good way to approach it. There are certain ways to play guitars, and this is, like, a really weird – thing that i up until like probably three or four years ago i didn't really understand but when i started doing more higher level tracking there's just certain ways to play guitar that just sound better than others like certain ways you hold the guitar ways you play a shape uh the way you strum a the way you strum the strings the what kind of pick you're using um and that 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 level of detail it's kind of across the board, right? It's the 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 detail in new strings. It's the detail in the right pick, not what they're comfortable with necessarily, but the right pick for the sound that they're going for. You know, that does make a difference, in my opinion. Uh, the, um, I mean, even talking about synths, right? The right synth. It just can't be any synth. I've there's a huge difference in a synth that's layered five times. You're like, okay, that sounds like a synth that's been layered five times, or one really well sound designed synth that that fits the part perfectly. Yeah. Um I think I think with tracking you're just really focusing in on the on the details. And if you th- I don't know. I mean, I say that, but then like we hear stories from friends where it's like, yeah, pop records were recorded on a on an Apple like AirPod mic or like yelled into a MacBook Pro, you know? Like it's <laughs> the it's, MacBook it's, mics are kind of good though, so Yeah, that's true they are. <laughs> like the static uh the I the static dress, I don't know if you know that band, the static dress uh they're a band from the UK that's like a newer like post hardcore band. Um a couple of their songs were fully tracked through an Apple like AirPod like microphone. Um and it just sounds real it's got such a it's got a unique cool sound to it. I'm sure there was a lot of stuff like a lot of things that had to be done in post to make it right. sound even full. talking about like how they like how like on bigger records like they clean all the vocal tracks like it's crazy. Like, imagine precisely engineering, like, Drake's vocal on, like, a $30,000 vocal rig, and then, like, someone still had to, like, RX it for, like, mm-hmm. all the little things. <clears throat> yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, that stuff does get cleaned a lot. 
whenever you whenever they get set, especially at that level, you know what I mean? Um, so it's like we say, at least I say, like, I don't want to speak for you, Josh, but I say, like, focus on the details, but also don't focus on the details. <laughs> I, I, you know, the, you know what I mean? It's like there's a balance there. I think when um, you're, like, I mean, if this is talking to people who are starting out, like, I think it's <laughs> the biggest thing is just like do it as many times as you can. Then you figure it out as you go. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would, I would say set yourself up to succeed and don't, I think don't settle is the best way to say it. You know what I mean? Don't settle for bad takes. Don't settle for okay takes. Like if the take works great with an Apple AirPod microphone and it just works cool. Awesome. That's what you're going to use. If it works on an SM7B, cool. If it works on a, I don't know, U87, U47, something much more expensive than that, like cool. If that's what you, if that's what it takes to get what you're looking for, then awesome. Mm-hmm. But I would just say don't settle for like using whatever because 100%. it's there. Yeah. Does that makes sense. You cool? With, you, uh, you 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 tracking with me on that? Um, so with the other side of that, with tracking with other people, um, this is at least my opinion. I don't know how often you've tracked with other people, uh, as far as like going to another studio to track Josh, I don't know how, how much you've done that. Um, that's pretty much all I do anymore. If I'm tracking people. Yeah, that's true. No, no, no. I mean like. So going to somebody else's studio to track drums where you're not engineering. Uh, what? Does that make sense? Going no, to a didn't. studio that isn't yours to track drums, but you're also not engineering. Like you're hiring somebody to track drums for you. Oh, oh, no. Yeah, I've never done that. Okay. I thought you meant like I was going to rent out a studio and hire an engineer for me to watch them track drums no no no. so in that situation you're more of the producer it's all Mm. solely like you're not really more the tracking engineer you're really the producer that's involved in like making sure that the takes are still good does that make sense yeah locking in with me cool um i would say firstly sometimes you you may not necessarily want to be there if you can be there and you're kind of overseeing the record you should definitely be there. Um, I've had records where I've like been not able to make a drum tracking session or a vocal tracking session. And I've, I hundred percent of the time it's never been as good as I wanted it to be every single time. Like it's been a situation where it's like, uh, we're tracking vocals and like, I have to go to like me and my wife have to go to like out to eat for her birthday or I'm sick or something like that. And it's like, I just can't physically be there. And it's never been a situation where I have liked what has come out on the other side. Yeah. Well, I feel like also like a lot of like people who are just engineers, they're so focused on getting the best Sonic take. Like they don't really care about the performance. So it's like, yeah, like these drums sound like they're radio ready. Yeah. Meanwhile, like the performance sucked. Cause like, that's why like, that's why like vocal producers are a thing. The only people Mm -hmm. who don't have vocal producers are like the really good vocalists who have, who know what they want and 
are their own vocal producer. Well, and, yeah, and they like just Ari- need a good like, engineer. Uh, I was gonna say Ariana Grande is a good example of that. Yeah, like she self produces a lot of her, and she like self she self uh, comps sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's crazy. She is crazy. And she'll like you. She'll say, "Oh, I like this word," and yeah, she'll she'll do the f- really detailed work that you expect from a vocal producer on her own and as an artist that's pretty wild to see like you don't well, see I, that very I don't know. often i think like there's just a huge disconnect though like all these people are like hiring us to like because they want to be the next ariana grande but like they just don't have it you know like mm-hmm. she has it like she gets the bigger picture you know and she's willing and, to put in the work to learn how to do it herself so she can make it that much better yeah and like a lot of people just don't care they think oh well, i'm gonna show up and give give it my best and like this guy is gonna make me sound like ariana yeah it's like that's not how it works yeah yeah it's not how it works um yeah i uh i just don't that that side of things is a little a little tricky and like i said i think you're you're, you need to really focus on the like i said the take being emotional not settling for the for the for the crappy take and not just this is a this is a reason that I'm not really a big fan of like sessions by the hour. Th- this part right here is kind of why I personally don't like charging by the hour. Um is because sometimes you get a take and it's the first take every time. Sometimes it takes seven or eight takes, right? to get the right take and i i don't know i personally would rather especially if it's a if it's a person and artist that i really feel is got that extra something about them that i think they have potential to go really far um i i really want to make sure that i'm exhausting every opportunity for it to be the best that it can be and that's across the board with the tracking side of things. Like that's with the drums, that's with the vocals, like we've been talking about. That's with the guitars. Like rushing, rushing guitars and vocals is pretty common in the more rock and metal world, right? Like it's like okay, we're gonna do, we're gonna do a three day drum session on one song, but we're gonna do like a half a day vocal session on one song. You know what I'm saying? It's like that doesn't that doesn't make sense in reality. Like that's not how most people in the larger popscape do things. Um, they spend months on a vocal, making sure it's exactly right. And I I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I don't know how you feel about it, but me personally, I would much rather just make sure that it's right from the get and just spend the extra time regardless of the money. I think that's that's kind of why you've been like either not charging as much or you've kind of shifted the way that you've approached talking to artists when it comes to that kind of thing, right? Yeah, I just want to work with good artists right now. Because <laughs> it's just like, it, you know, I feel like it's really easy to get stuck in this trap of like working with a bunch of inexperienced artists who like really don't have it. And then you spend mm-hmm. all day tracking a verse and it's just like, it's not going to be there. Like you, yeah, you, you see where it needs to be and it's just not going to. And then you're honest and then they get sad and you're just like, yeah, you should be yeah. 
paying a vocal teacher instead of me. For sure. And I think, you know, let's talk about that. Honesty in the tracking session. Let's talk about that. I had to do that a few weeks ago. This artist showed up to track a song and they were like, by the way, I didn't write any of it. And I was like, all right, so we're going to write it here and then you're going to track it real quick. Cause like I can do that. Everybody else I know can do that, but like some artists just can't do that. Mm-hmm. And like he tried and I just looked at him. And I was like, we're gonna have to do this another day. Like 20 minutes in, I was just like, I, I know for a fact, you're not going to be able to do this. So don't mm-hmm. stress, save your yeah. voice, go home and practice. Yeah. And then he went home and practiced and now we're going to go record it for real. Yeah. And it's going to be better. It's <laughs> going to be way less of a headache for you. It's going to be way, way less of a headache for him. And he's not going to feel like he's wasting his money or time. You know, I think, and I think that's like, that's a good example of honesty, man. That's a really good example of being super upfront and not being afraid. Cause I mean, a lot of people would be afraid to, you know, have that conversation with an artist. They don't want to like, they don't want to piss them off. They don't want to, they don't want them to leave or just get fired. You know what oh, I mean? I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I don't care about that. I didn't. I didn't want to spend any more money on studio time. <laughs> but that's what I mean. It's like I was you, just like, why? Why are we here today? You know? Yeah. You. Well, you can't. You can't waste your time. You know, your time mm-hmm. is more valuable than that. And not only you got to respect the artist enough and yourself enough to be able to just have that conversation. It's uh, to me, I see it as respecting their time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I say it as being respectful of that. That's me trying to respect them the best is being honest and not being a jerk. You know, you're not being, you're not like, yeah, you just don't got it. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, man, you know, you're, you obviously aren't going to be able to do this today. So instead, here's what we're going to do we're going to track this out. You're going to go home. You're going to rehearse. You're going to come more prepared next time. Yep. It's a sim- as simple, it's a simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> I think we said the exact same thing. No, I said is, and you said that. <laughs> We're close though. There we go. It's like you, wait, can you can you can you vocal line that so it's just like perfect? Yeah, I should. <laughs> it's as uh, yeah, that would be amazing. Um True. So, yeah, I think, yeah, that's, I think that's enough about tracking. We kind of talked a good bit about it, but uh, I think utmost is don't settle for bad takes and don't be afraid to be honest with who you're tracking. And I think that goes for across the board, guitar, drums, vocals, whatever, you know, don't be afraid to tell the the bass player that he doesn't need to track bass because the guitar player is going to track it better. So, um, moving on to the next part. So after we're done tracking, we have all of our files. Um, we've got, you know, in a, a rock focus session, we've got, uh, our bass guitar, you know, production effects, drums, vocals, all done. Uh, and for a pop session, it's we've produced out the song. We've got everything printed, committed, all of our vocals, you know, ready to go. Now it's time to edit. So let's do it in the sense of a pop song first, because I personally think that there's a lot less editing that's involved in a pop song um, 
than on the other side, on more of the rock side. So I don't know, man. I'm going to go out on a whim and say it's about equal. You think so? I guess, yeah. yeah I guess with as many vocal layers as it was required well, in a pop song. Well, I mean, there's that. And then you also have like, there's a lot more automation in pop music. That's true. Like, well, that's I, I, yeah. And that's more, to me, I see that more as mixing. Mm. I consider it like editing production slash mixing. Like yeah. automation can happen anywhere. That's but, like, true. Literally, like I was mixing a song for Nick and then I realized like I screwed up because I should have just done the automation beforehand. And, uh, it saved the song. Nice. And, uh, yeah, like I think, I think that editing is probably the most important thing that you can learn to do correctly. Like whether it's just cleaning up vocal takes or like the best way to tune vocals for you recently, like probably almost a year ago at this point, I bought Melodyne because I was like, yeah, I'm just missing something. And then I never used it. I hate Melodyne. I hate it so much. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't sound good. And then I didn't like very audio in Cubase anymore because it just wasn't enough. And so I finally just uh, updated Autotune because like I would always use graph mode in Autotune, but it, like it just gets really buggy on mm-hmm. the older versions. So I finally updated. And to me, it didn't sound good on the older versions. And like it's game over, dude. I just I just wait for it to listen to the whole track and then I make some notes and then I fix like three things and it's game over. It's gravy. Like, yeah, there it is. I'm the king of vocal team. Yeah, I have my, uh, I have my, my route with Melodyne that I do because I know you don't like it, but I I think it sounds really good. I think it sounds really clean. Um, I use auto tune after it to clean it up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I also, I also work on music that tends to be a little bit more hard tuned. Yeah. So um, I don't. So yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of, I think that's really the difference is a lot of the Melodyne stuff is more trying to keep it true to the original source so especially if your takes are really good melodyne makes it super easy right um obviously autotune graph mode is going to be super easy too it's just going to be a little bit more you can get a little bit more heavy-handed with autotune and graph mode and stuff um i would say something to think about for those that are listening that you're like, uh, I'm not 100% sure that I want to be tracking. I don't necessarily like working with people in that capacity. Uh, editing is a great way to get your foot in the door for a lot of different people, man. It's also it, grueling. Like, like depending on what it is, like if you have to edit drums all day, like rip. Like, I mean, yeah, but if no, you could love it. You don't necessarily like it. I can't stand editing drums. Chris Davis loves editing drums. Honestly, I'm about to outsource all my drums to him because he loves it so much. Is he okay? <laughs> but like, so, and uh, there was a dude from Atlanta that got to work on a, got to work on a Opeth record because he just edits drums really, really well. Like. Yeah. Like everybody has their thing. Exactly. But, and, uh, but to me, if you're good at it, it's a good way to get in the door with other engineers and producers or bands, right? Yeah. Um, same for vocals. Uh, Clay is an amazing vocal editor. Uh, crazy. We were We were literally just talking about him in our chat right before we hopped on. I don't know if you saw that. But mm-hmm. um, me and, me and uh, some of the other people were talking about, because uh, I think he does a lot of work for Seth... He, Seth has bands or artists send stuff to him to tune or Seth will get him to do it for him whenever it's something that Seth is mixing. 
and then I think a couple of the other people use him as well. And like I've started using him because he's just so good. And it's the turnaround time so fast, man. He's like got a 24 hour or less turnaround window for 30 tracks or less. For like, it's crazy. Dude can churn it out so quick and so good. And it Bro, you all better sound- bleep out his rate. <laughs> I probably will. Um, for beep, yeah. The uh, I'll let him say his own right, but the um, no, I mean he's gotten a lot of really good gigs just because he's good at he's good at editing. You know what I mean? Like, and then like you have a lot of guys who are like in house engineers and stuff, and like they also have to be really good at editing and they have to be fast and mm -hmm. all that stuff. I mean, and, uh, th- it, it, these days, being a tracking engineer is kind of you kind of need to know how to edit. And the same on the other side of being a mix engineer, I can almost guarantee. I mean, I've edited stuff that I shouldn't have needed to. You know what I mean? But like sometimes a snare just doesn't fall right, and you gotta you gotta like make sure everything works. You know, maybe the kicks are off in a part, and you need to re-edit it, or just a vocal is just not tuned right. That's happened to me a bunch. Where it's like somebody was tuning vocals and they just missed a couple. They missed like a section or something, right? On a yeah. vocal. And it's just not, it's not auto, it's not vocal lined, it's not tuned, it's just kind of wonky. So I just go through and do it real quick. Saves my time, you know? Um, There's a little buzz there. Oh, I didn't hear it. Yeah, it was weird. Hmm. Um, the, I, I think, but it, like I said, it's a really good way to not only save yourself time on the tracking end, but in the mixing end, but it's also a way to get yourself in the door with other artists and producers and a way to make money starting out. That is pretty low effort. You know, you don't need much. No, you just need a DAW. And some headphones. And maybe some auto-tune. Yeah. You could do like it. 20 bucks a month if you don't want to buy it all up, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they have the auto-tune uh, monthly rate that you can get the graph mode, and it's what a lot of people are using. And you can get... Bro, you can literally do $80 for Reaper. You can do $20 a month for auto-tune graph mode literally have a macbook air or something like you know equivalent that small right and your airpods or you know some wireless headphone or just some headphones you'd you'd probably need rx too maybe but maybe not maybe you don't need it maybe they want to rx it on the mixing end bro i don't know a single mix engineer that would want to RX something. I mean, I do. I RX my own stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily like, trust people to do that correctly. Yeah. Like in my opinion, like if you're sending something out to mix, like what you're sending out is what you're getting back just better. Yeah. And like, I'm fair, but I mean, I think it depends on the situation and also the genre. So like pop, it's normal for the, for the vocal, for the vocal editor to RX everything and clean it up. Right. And rock, it's not so much. 
So I think that's more genre specific. But even then, like learn to RX. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly, that's not that expensive, man. I don't even know how much it is. I'm looking up how much it is with my discount right now. Do it. Like, I think you can get RX elements for pretty cheap. Yeah, because I just have elements, but there's some a few things in the full version that I kind of really want right now. Yeah. Okay, so if you want the whole post production suite five upgrade, it's uh like two grand. Um, <laughs> the advanced upgrade is one thousand. But is RX that all elements it is? is just elements are advanced. Our elements is like super cheap. This kind of makes me sad. I'm not gonna lie to you. Elements is like, I want to say it's less than fifty dollars. Or at least it's frequently on sale enough that it's less than fifty dollars a day running with packages and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but you can get. I mean, really, RX Elements will do the job. You get that. You get Auto Tune. You learn to hand align, or you buy Vocal Line for a hundred bucks. You could make that money back with one project, with one full length record worth of songs nine to 10 songs, you could make your money back on that charge 50 bucks per song. Oh, I found it. There's a standard version. Got you. Okay. It's 400 bucks. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's really, you, uh, they run sales so often that it's, you're probably going to be able to get it for less than 400 bucks for pretty, mm-hmm. pretty regularly. Um, you can make some good money doing that, especially if it's something like I don't I don't want to do my job anymore. I just want to work on music. Right. And you're driven enough to just do editing. Go for it. In drum editing, same thing. All you really need is a DAW and like Massey DRT to make sure you can do like triggers like MIDI, yeah. MIDI triggers. And that's a hundred dollar plug in. That's it. So, you know, what's actually kind of funny right now because of like the plugins that I have from Isotope, mm-hmm. it's actually cheaper for me to just get the full music production suite four than it is for me to just upgrade RX. <laughs> that's funny. Like Isotope is sick with the discounts. So, yeah. and that's the other thing, man. If you, even if you get free stuff from Isotope, like you just get vinyl and, uh, the, the stereo spread widener plugin, stereo widener plugin that are both free from them, um, they'll still give you discounts a lot of the time. Like, yeah, that's how I got um, Ozone cheap. Oh, that's silly. Bro, I'd be getting the buzz now. Yeah, that that thing is what I heard earlier. Um, But yeah, you get get those two things. And then because you have an account with them and you've, quote unquote purchased things from them even though it was free they will still give you deals Hmm. that's pretty cool yeah it's pretty awesome hack for those people that that are trying to save some money on some stuff um so editing we've polished all of our tracks we've got uh guitar editing is something that i kind of want to talk about in a different video because I want to bring um, somebody on to talk about guitar editing and probably we'll probably bring Clay on to talk about vocal editing as well. But I, I don't know. I just, there's a lot that can go into those things. There's a bunch of different ways to do it personally. So we've gotten our tracks all cleaned up. 
We've gotten every detail hammered out. It sounds incredible. Cool. We're going to the mixing. Now, I don't necessarily want to talk about the actual process of mixing like we did more so on the editing side of things Um, because that's kind of subjective to, to you and your style and the genre of music that you're working in and there's a bunch of different factors that kind of go into the mixing and mastering side of things. Um, what I do want to talk about is the communication. And Josh, you've had some, probably some rough, I mean, I have too, some like situations that have gotten out of hand or mishandled or something by bad communication, especially when it comes to mixing and mastering. Um, I mean, unless if you name drop, I really can't tell which one. Well, just like in general, like getting a laundry list of notes, uh, not communicating oh, how being told how I need gonna... to make the mix sound like a, the demo. Yeah, exactly. It's like it, it. I don't know. There's some a bunch of communication things that can happen even before you get to the mixing stage, or if you're just mixing, even before you receive stems from a client right there's some things that you can do some expectations that you can lay out uh and kind of lay out what your process is so that they know what to expect so that they're not blindsided by the fact that you know they're not getting they're getting a link they're not getting raw they're not getting downloadable files right uh, so that they're not texting you notes in the middle of the night or Facebook messaging you notes like while you're working on other stuff or you're not even at your computer. So they're not like Facebook messaging you and then you get back to your computer and you have 5 million notes and then also, hey, man, you get that? Hey, man, you get that? Hey, and also this? Oh, and also this? And then the funny conversation with the band and then you've lost like half of your notes. You know what I'm saying? It's like... Mm-hmm. Handling those kind of things well, I think, is something that people don't necessarily think about. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I don't know, a lot of this can just be avoided if you just, like, vet who you're working with. Like, what I mentioned earlier, like, I was doing an artist a favor. I was like, hey, I like your work. Like, let me mix this. Like, it'll be fun, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, sick. So we go ahead and do it. And then I get an email of mix notes And every single song, he just said, study this mix and make it sound just like this mix. And it was literally a SoundCloud link to the demo. And I was like, why? And so I was just honest. I was like, why? Why are you having me do this? If you want me to make it sound like your demo, why don't you just put the demo out? And then they ghosted me and never responded. (laughs) And it's just like. Yeah, I think it just comes down to being like super blunt about your intentions and being super blunt about like the project and for anything sure. else. And like, then you'll never run into issues as a rule for me. Um, I never take revisions over text message, um, or Facebook message. That's just a rule for me. Uh, I try to not take them over email. I, I tried to not send Dropbox links anymore since I started using file pass. Uh, just because, dude, it's so much easier. Um, I, FilePass is a, is a system where it's similar to SoundCloud in the sense of like you upload it and it gives you like the waveform and you can drop comments on timestamps and stuff. 
but uh, I don't know. It just whenever you drop a comment, it makes a it essentially turns your uh, your notes that they give you on your timestamps into a to do list for you. So it's easy to keep track of and you can reply and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's lossless streaming. So like sometimes Dropbox does weird compression stuff. Which I didn't realize how how massive that was until I AB'd file pass and Dropbox in the same system. It's crazy how like like I did it on my phone, I think in the car. There's a way to turn that off. You just yeah. like add like an S at the end of it or something like that. Yeah, I just don't want to have to do it. But the 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 list building part is kind of what saves me. And Dropbox also has comments. Huh? Dropbox also has now a it does section. it didn't whenever it, it didn't whenever I started working with FilePass, um, and you know, yeah, FilePass is sick. The paywall is really dope if you're like selling beats and stuff. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. It's really cool for beat selling or for um, production notes, things like that. Things where you're like, I don't necessarily want to send them the track yet, but I want to you know, put it behind a paywall and whenever they feel like they're ready to pay for it, they can pay for it and access it then. Right. Yeah. That's that kind of stuff is really cool. Um, so if you're interested in that, look into it. Uh, but I, I just, as a rule have stopped taking, taking mixed notes via any social platform or text message. It just, I always dude, I'm so bad about replying and I'm so bad about losing stuff like that as is. I'm just, I'm just not trying to do that with work if I can help it. That makes sense. I don't know how yeah. you normally do how you normally do stuff, but you're more so in the songwriting side of things. I don't know how much you're actually mixing stuff anymore. I mean, I just ask for people to email them to me if they can. Well, no, I ask them to email them to me if we talk a lot on social mm-hmm. media. That's the yeah. only time I ask for them an email. If uh, otherwise, I'll just take them through text or whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm taking it through email, I normally grab it all and I'll drop it into either Evernote or Apple Notes, depending on what I'm using, and um, make a checklist out of it in there. Just so it's easy for me to like, you know, I still ask for timestamps on everything, though. That's pretty common. Don't forget Mm -hmm. to ask for timestamps. And a lot of people. I noticed this, too. A lot of people uh, don't necessarily understand how to leave mixed notes. I've noticed that like they just think like I can write uh, in the core in the chorus where I in the chorus turn up the word this or I something's weird here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. It doesn't in the in the riff in the second riff or the fourth riff. uh, The eighth note is off like that's kind of to me. That's not specific enough because i don't know what they're talking about i prefer timestamps, and i've also noticed leaving like having an example in your e- in your email when you start with mixed notes is a good idea like yeah. an, ex- an example note or whatever i do that with file pass too i i like go in there and i say this is how you leave uh a mixed note and i like drop it in there so they can see so and then after we've done like one round of revisions or whatever, like I'll erase it. But like I just kind of do that in the middle of the song so they can see what they can do. Um, 
But yeah, I feel like, and you know, on the mastering side of things, it's still like communication with deadlines, communication with, you know, do I want this crazy compressed? Do I want this to have a little bit more, you know, room, uh, not be like hard compressed, you know, different mastering engineers have different tastes, different artisans have different tastes when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think genre wise, it's really like if you're not going to master a bluegrass record the same way you're going to master a hip hop record. Yeah. So being kind of clear on intentions when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, how much are you taking? Uh, obviously, out excluding the incident that happened where, where he kept sending you the demo. Uh, how often are you taking like mixing like references? Not, not really taking, no. not really, not really. It's kind of hard to because it's like if they have a demo, then like it's fine, I can go off of that. If they hate the demo, like I just ask them, like, do you like the direction the demo is going? If they say yes, then like I know where to take it. Okay. If they say no, then I'm like, all right, well, like, how do you want it to hit? I I I've found that I like. I don't know. I think it really depends on the artist. I like some mixed references for metal stuff. Yeah. Well, the only issue is for me, it's just like trying to mix metal. It's always just okay. How can I make this sound like the Death Guard? <laughs> How can I make it sound this sound more like Holy Hell by Architects? Dude, um yeah, anything that Henrique does is just insane. Yeah. And Nolly did that one. Yeah, that's right. Nolly did do that one, but I'm Nolly thinking about the one. one before it because that makes yeah. it so much better. Yeah. It, dude, dude, it was really good. That uh Alien by Northland that Nolly did, that was a good metal mix. It was a great metal mix. Shout out to crazy. Heinrich, bro, on that. Freaking Dayseeker record that he did. It is so good. Yeah, that's very nice. Yeah. Uh, it's a great mix of like pop and metal. Uh, anyway, so we finished the we finished the whole process. We're at, they're happy. They've paid you. Um so what happens after you have sent the final product, Josh. What is something, some things, some approaches that you can take to, I don't know, what are some things that you can do after you've sent the final, they've paid your final invoice, you know, you're technically I've, done. I've kind of stepped away from all these things that we're going to talk about because I don't 100% believe in them. <laughs> but I mean, I think like, it depends on what you're doing. I'm very much like on board with the idea that if like somebody hires you to do something, you should do what you were hired to do and not offer like, half-assed advice on anything else outside of it because like a big thing that a lot of people are into right now is like the whole like oh and then i'll like run ads and it's just like don't trust a music producer with ads go hire somebody who does ads yes i definitely agree with that i i more so mean in the sense of like this light is freaking blinding me dude dude you Uh, look so pale (laughs) you're um, glowing (laughs) the uh this is what we get for doing at 5 30 man um, you you have a little halo going on on yours. <laughs> it's a nice little hairline light. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm more so mean like. So, 
a lot this this is really more true for for newer artists because I've had to do this for newer artists before where I, I'll say I'll send them the final thing and I'll be like all right so uh how are you guys like releasing this and they have zero clue right you can help them with like the basics yeah like I'll help people out with like distro platforms and things like that it's always either DistroKid or United Masters like those are the two easiest and best mm-hmm. And then, like, from there, you know, recommending them, like, other creatives to work with to get the release together. Like, that's always a solid move if they don't know who to go with. For sure. Um, and I think this is where you can have, like, a, I don't know, bust out the Rolodex and, like, have a bunch of friends that do music videos, lyric videos, you know, photography. Um, if you have a friend that helps with, like, press or PR or something like that. Uh, and they're a band that obviously the, if the band fits these people, um, you know, be like, you could talk to this person. You could talk to this, this person about music videos. You know, you're going to want a music video for this song, uh, help them say, you're going to want, you know, you're, they're going to need artwork for the, for the single or record, right? Talk to these people that, you know, I think do great work, give them websites, have them do have them go through the proper channels. Don't like straight. Do not give people's numbers out. <laughs> this is. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. That is, that is a way to get people to not like you very, very quickly. I personally kind of hate it when people give my numbers out as far as like for work stuff, I would rather people go through the proper channels because I have like, ways of tracking progress on stuff when it comes to that. Um, if people reach out to me via like a number that somebody gave them, uh, I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna forget it. It's probably gonna like not, I'm probably gonna look at it once and then it's going to go off into the ether of my text messages. Um, but I, I think I think adding value in the sense of like being the pe- person that's like connecting the person, the people that you're working with, people or a person, the artist that you're working with to other creatives that do cool stuff. You know, I think that's a good way that you can provide. You know, we we hear it a lot, but the, the term provide value, right? Like that gets thrown around a lot. But what a lot of people mean by that is what a lot of people mean by that is like, I don't know, doing everything yourself. Like, Oh, I've done the record, but now I'm going to, I'm going to help them do their artwork or I'm going to help them pro, you know, provide a release strategy, which, you know, I've helped bands set up release strategies before for like their first single, but I generally, it generally takes way too much time and I don't put a lot of effort into it. So I'd rather not half-ass it. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I would rather put them in contact with somebody who does it better than me, who's going to have more contacts than me, who's going to be able to provide them with something that I'm not going to be able to do. Um, And then another thing that a lot of people forget and or may not necessarily forget, but artists just don't do is uh, make sure you get credited. <laughs> That's that should be in your contract. 
Yeah, if you're if you're doing a contract or like an agreement, like a written agreement, which we actually missed that talking point, Josh, in the talking to Bant. We whenever we uh we started this, we should uh we should have mentioned having like a written agreement of some kind, like yeah. of expectations and stuff. But I think this is a good place to talk about it because, you know, say we forget that and then they don't they don't follow through well then you're kind of SOL so having a written agreement up front Josh kind of what what does that look like for you oh it's literally just like a piece of paper that says i do this you do this this is how much it costs this is what i'm getting credited on and that's it and then like i'll send like a bigger like generic freelance one for like bigger projects but mm-hmm. Like that's typically all it is. Yeah, and I don't think it needs to be anything more than that. It doesn't need to be like a giant legal document of like eight pages, which I've seen those before where people are like, I need you to sign this thing and I need my lawyer to look over it and all this. You know what I mean? It's just like it it's not, doesn't need to be that daunting. Mm-mm. I think it just needs to be, you know, hey, thanks for using me. Here's Here's what I expect. Here's what I'm receiving from you bullet points here's what i here's what you should expect to receive from me bullet points um i wish i am wish to be credited as however you want to be credited as you know your name or your producer name or whatever um and your role of what you did and then they know so it's not it's not weird when at the end you're like hey so just to make sure you you're um because it could change by the end you could have done some extra stuff right uh so I like following up at the end and saying hey you know per what we said in the beginning uh just make sure to credit me as this and also make sure that they have your socials so that they know how to tag you and they may not think about it at the at the time but if you've talked about it beforehand they'll be like oh we need to tag him in this you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and people aren't trying to at least generally the people that i've worked with aren't necessarily trying to shaft you when it comes to not tagging you and stuff they just don't think about it most of the time you know what i mean yeah uh i think they just want to they're just trying to do their thing and they're just not thinking about it. But if you've had that conversation with them at the end of the project, they were like, oh, well, he was really clear that he wanted us to make sure that we tagged him in this stuff because, you know, he also wanted to be able to share it and all of that. Uh, it will make sure that it gets on his story and be able to share all of the stories. And that's just good for everybody. You know, that just yeah. makes the content go further. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a good that's a good place to kind of start landing the plane, Josh. Um, yeah, man. I think we're I think we're going down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, before we end, let's talk about like what was your first session, Josh? Yeah, I was probably working with Sam in like this rehearsal space using like. So let's go from the beginning of your first session. Just like talk about it. It was like, hey, man, come to our demos. And then I watched Sam scream at his guitar for four hours. <laughs> I had a blast. It was so much fun. The room sounded terrible. The mic sounded terrible. I was using like a Focusrite 18i20, which always sounds like there's a blanket over the preamps. And like, I just, I didn't know what I was doing. And then, and then 
they were like, well, why doesn't it sound like Lil Yip did it? And I was like, bro, I don't know. Maybe it's because. <laughs> Maybe because like, I'm not Lil Yip. We used like three dusty mics inside of this <laughs> weird rehearsal spot. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And that's how like a lifelong friendship was built. <laughs> Dude, heck yeah. Uh, so funny thing. The first session I ever got paid to do, right? Uh was actually my brother-in-law's. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really weird. It was before him and my sister were dating. Uh he had a, like a like a Switchfoot-esque like kind of alt rock band. And they did like a three-song EP at the church I was working out of and the the head the you know, one of the guys that I was learning under he brought them in and he was kind of working on it and he let me take over the project and he was like, yeah, I got paid a hundred dollars a song. Um, I mixed the whole thing. Um, it honestly did sound terrible. I went back and listened to it the other day and See, I was like, my, my stuff sounded that. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I was working- what's crazy is that was only like three or four years ago. Like, That's wild. It took me a really long time to like understand that I wasn't good, and then it <laughs> took me like ve- a very small amount of time compared to the rest of the time to like get way better. Yeah, I, I'm I think just like making up the, for all the other uh, years. I, yeah, I think I, I had kind of a similar thing where it's like I started being okay, right? But I was just okay for a really long time. Uh, it took me. It took me realizing. I think that was that was kind of a that was kind of a not good thing for me. Was I started and it was I was pretty good and they were stoked on it and I didn't necessarily think I I knew I needed to grow but I wasn't sure how to and I was also just kind of hyped up on my own stuff. You know, I I think the biggest problem for me is that I thought that like I could get better if I just like learned how to like process things Mm -hmm. the right way. And then I quickly realized like, hey, what if you just like stop recording things badly? Dude, I yeah, the, the, the time that you when you realize that pre production and the tracking time if you can really get the song sounding like as close to the final mix in those areas, right? You're you're going to get much better products. The early the earliest it sounds like the record the better that that record's probably going to be. 100%. Um, I don't know. I try to make things just like sound like they're ready to go off the mix now like whenever they're going into the computer. Exactly. No, I mean, I think that's the, I think that's the move. Um, fun, dude. Well, good convo. Good convo. It's been a blast, dude. Yeah, it's been dude. a blast. Been I a think blast. I'm going to go make another smoothie or something because that one was really good. Oh, dude. Kiwi mango? It was kiwi mango, banana, blueberry, strawberry. I, I'll just put in everything that I had. Just just fruit smoothie. Dude, it was so much fruit and then a bunch of kale. And I was just like, I am thriving right now. Dude, heck yeah. Well, yeah, go, I, go I mean, to be honest, it didn't smoothie. taste that good. But like, it was okay. <laughs> it didn't but, taste that good, but it was fine. I put vegan protein powder in there. I, I did yeah. a bunch. So 
bro. Go thrive with a smoothie, man. Um, guys, thanks for coming and hanging out and listening. Um, don't forget, share it with somebody that might need it. Uh, be sure to drop a comment uh, on the Instagram post this is from or on the YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. Subscribe on YouTube. The whole nine yards. Leave us a review on the Apple Podcasts or share it on Spotify to your Instagram. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today, Josh. Thanks for helping me teach some people about their first session and like some practices. Always, my dude. Yeah, dude. Uh, and we are out of here. Bye. And that's it for this episode of the Home Studio Hangout Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please check us out on your favorite podcasting platform. Leave a review. It helps the show so much. Kind of get out there for new people to find. Uh, If you want to watch this, if you aren't already, uh, check us out on YouTube by searching Home Studio Hangout. Uh, And thank you so much again for giving us your time and your attention. And remember, keep on creating.